0: Hey guys, cold open. We are so excited to share this promo audio for Gore
1: Report. You've heard me mention how
0: much I love their podcast. Specifically, we gave them a shout out during the Sarah
1: Boone case. Gage and Ray are two best friends from a small Georgia town, and we hope you enjoy their promo. Hey
0: guys, my name is Gage.
1: And my name is Ray. And we're the hosts for
0: Gore Report, a true crime podcast. Paige and I have been best friends for over 10 years and we decided to turn our shared passion for true crime, and all things spooky,
1: into our own podcast.
0: Not only do we cover a large amount of true crime cases, but we also cover cases pertaining to the supernatural, the paranormal, urban legends, cryptids, morbid history, and pretty much everything else that can make your skin crawl. Gore Report is a Goblin Rand podcast. And we keep things lighthearted by using our extreme social awkwardness and goblin personalities to provide some much-needed laughs as we trek through some truly terrifying and shocking stories. So if you're a fan of true crime, slight awkwardness, and all things dark and spooky, then you should totally check out our podcast, we upload new episodes every single Thursday, and we're available wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be seeing you soon. Good afternoon now. Well, no, not quite yet. Hello, hello. I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. Perfect. It is officially summer in the podcast studio. It is. We are feeling it. You hear the sweat hot. dripping under <laughs> the microphone.
1: That would be gross.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> As someone with misophonia, I do not appreciate Sorry. that visual. <laughs> um, But, but sound. Because... Yeah. You get what I'm saying, never mind. The audit that was yeah. lame. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, for those of you who don't know our studio, um doesn't have air conditioning in it right now,
1: and we also live in southern Florida. It does though. It has air conditioning. It just doesn't work properly because <laughs> it doesn't have a return vent. So Oh, yeah. And it obviously just... we
0: can't have fans going yeah. while we're recording. Um, if you want behind the scenes of what we're talking about, I have ton- We have tons of videos on our TikTok, um,
1: oh, yeah.
0: like showing our- what our studio looks like, so you can kind of see what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, we're hot.
1: <laughs> so, what are we covering this week? We're going to talk about William Randall Triplet. What a name! What a name! But he goes by Randy. So,
0: Randy is one of those names that can either be. They can be like a great guy, or you're like, yeah, don't talk to Randy. He's a <laughs> little weird.
1: <laughs> like- I knew one of those Randys <laughs> in high school. Yeah. He was quite weird. Yeah. I mean, I was friendly with him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say we were friends until one of our mutual friends, like after high school. And then I learned even more about him and was like, wow, you really are weird. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: I have a feeling we're not talking about the fun Randys, though. No. Unfortunately not. This is a weird Randy. Weird.
1: All right. So our story takes place in Clay County, Alabama. With a population of less than fifteen thousand, Clay County is truly what many people think of when they're thinking Country Alabama.
0: <laughs> We're gonna offend people with our accents. And I'm from the South.
1: Listen, I had a I had a Kansas you did. twang until I move back to Ohio because I when I started talking we lived in Kansas we lived in Wichita which was how I knew Wichita. yeah Wichita. <laughs> Wichita. In Wichita. it's not Wichita no it's not Wichita it's Wichita it's not it's, it's Wichita. Wichita and you I have know, to say what the:
0: oh it's Wichita we know how
1: to pronounce it Me? we do we're not being mean no I'm not being mean I live there it's cool
0: a lot of good Supernatural episodes take place there. so
1: They do. Yeah, A lot of weird stuff. I love Kansas. Weird stuff happens in... I don't know if weird stuff... I was I very either. young when I <laughs> lived there. I don't. I remember some weird stuff going down in Kansas. Do you have any
0: listeners from Kansas?
1: Uh, we have some. I don't know if...
0: Let us know if weird stuff happens in Kansas.
1: So this area of Alabama, basically, there's more nature than people. Forests, lakes, and rivers surround what small areas are populated. It's a place that no one just passes through as the closest interstate is about 30 miles away. It also has the very prestigious honor of holding the title of the last dry county in Alabama. Oh, man. That's right. Clay County did not allow the sale of alcohol until get this oh god 2016 what
0: <laughs> what you're telling me that they they got so mad at the election that they were like we need alcohol impossibly <laughs> <laughs> um yeah whoa hold on hold on do you know how many things did they get through what that's insane Yeah, that's insane you mean that they was. watched gangnam style videos at the same time as they could not purchase alcohol <laughs> They were watching flash mobs on YouTube, and they couldn't purchase alcohol.
1: Yeah. I don't know how many of those people were watching Gangnam
0: Style. <laughs> oh, they were. Maybe some of them. They were. Come on. Musical.ly was around.
1: Know. TikTok was around in 2016. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. How many of them are on? Vine. Social media sites. I don't know. Well, yeah. It's a I mean, population there are people, of 15,000. But there are
0: young people in that 15,000. Yeah. True. I'm just saying. True. Okay, but- it doesn't matter. You were on Facebook and you couldn't purchase alcohol. That's crazy to me.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's they probably crazy. are on
0: Facebook. Yeah, they were definitely on Facebook.
1: So being that kind of, the- I just wanted to give you a picture of like what we're talking here. Yeah, when I don't care say- if it's not
0: about the actual drinking. It's the ability to purchase it.
1: When we say what kind of town, this was like Mayberry. I mean, it was, it it was, that's the kind of town we're talking. You can imagine everyone's shock and horror when it became the scene of a double homicide. (gasps) Now, before I jump into the murders, though, I'm going to introduce you all to the triplet family. Billy and Debbie Triplet were a well-known and liked couple in the community. Though very different individuals, it was a happy second marriage for them both. Okay. So so much so that they even worked together as owners of the local country store. Though they had no children together, they each had children from their previous marriages and had always made the effort to treat each of the kids as their own. Billy had one son, William Randall Triplett, who went by Randy. The creepy kind, as I said. Debbie had a son named Michael and a daughter named Michelle. According to Michelle, they were all very close growing up. She and her brother Michael viewed Billy as their dad and Randy as their brother. Mm -hmm. But when they were teenagers, Randy began to hang out with a bit of a rough crowd. And as adults, they eventually learned that he had developed a drug problem, which created tension and distance between randy and the whole family but especially his step family mm-hmm. these, what a
0: blended family in alabama i love it
1: yeah so these issues with drugs created an especially big rift between randy and his stepmother debbie because debbie wanted billy her husband mm-hmm. to take kind of a tough love approach with randy because at this point randy's like in his I think mid to late 20s.
0: Oh, okay. It's I mean, not like, like he's a, a young up. 19 okay.
1: year old. Yeah. And Billy, Ugh, yeah. Billy kind of kept trying to help him and kept bailing him out. And Debbie had had enough and was like, this isn't working. You need to stop. You need to stop enabling him. So on June 20th, 2001, Clay County Emergency Services received a call from Michael Lambert, Debbie's son stating that he'd gone to his parents to check on them and found them dead. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) That was very dramatic.
0: It is dramatic. He just found his
1: parents dead. I know. According to his sister Michelle, one or both of them talked to their mom every single day, and when they could not get a hold of her, Michael drove over to the triplets' house to make sure that everything was okay. When Michael arrived, both Billy and Debbie's vehicles were in the driveway, but the door was locked and no one was answering. So Michael used a hammer to break the handle of the back door. He yeah. entered.
0: I'd, I'd do that, too, if I couldn't get a hold of my parents for a day.
1: If that's your usual yeah. routine, yeah, because you're thinking something's got to be wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean... I might have called the cops first, but probably, especially in a small town like that, like... Eh.
0: Well, I have a house key. I don't know why they didn't, he didn't have a
1: house key, but... That was actually brought up on something, so close, something that I listened to about this case. Somebody mentioned, why Why don't you have a house key? Or like, maybe he forgot, maybe he did, but he forgot it. Or I, maybe like I Michelle
0: had one and he didn't have one or something. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think it's weird to not have a house key because... My mom is very private, Mm -hmm. so like she'll give me a house key for emergencies, but like I better only use it in emergencies. So it's not something I carry with me at all times because I would only use it if I know like I'm going to have to enter the house, you know, because my mom is very, she's she's like super introvert, Mm -hmm. like wears a cape and everything. I love it. With a giant eye on it (laughs) to (laughs) let everyone know. She is a super introvert. Yeah, see and so. that's
0: it's awkward. it's weird cuz I'm the opposite. Like I I use my parents house key all the time. Yeah. Like it's I did more. no big deal. Yeah,
1: when I was younger, but at this point I think Michael and Michelle and Randy were all kind of around yeah. the same age, so they're like at least in their mid to late 20s at this mm-hmm. point. So by that point, you know, I think I had kind of stopped doing that.
0: Anyway, regardless, I just didn't know if it was worth mentioning that he didn't have one. Yeah. But, yeah, I would break in, too. Like, yeah. I, I talk to my parents at least at least every day.
1: Yeah. I probably, and that's your routine. And yeah. you, then you know. You know something's wrong.
0: And if something's wrong, follow your gut, please.
1: hmm So upon entering the home, he found his mom, Debbie, lying on the kitchen floor just a few feet from the door. Okay. Billy was lying on the living room floor next to the couch. Debbie's skull had been shattered by blunt force trauma, and then her throat cut. (gasps) Wow. That is, this is, okay. hold on to your boobies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Billy was almost decapitated, but whatever instrument the perpetrator used, it wasn't quite up for the job. So he was left with just, like, deep, jagged cuts all the way around his neck.
0: Uh, uh, Yeah. I'm going to let go of my... Can I let go? Yes. Okay.
1: Release the (laughs) movies. Release the movies. Before Michael had a chance to contact Michelle to tell her what was happening, Michelle heard it over the fire and rescue squad radios she and her husband had at home. Yeah, we've... I've... We've... Yep. Yep. We've we've got those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, Michelle was a nurse and her husband a firefighter, so they often kept the radios on at home to stay informed on what they would be looking at once going to work. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Already concerned about her parents, Michelle's stomach dropped when she heard someone on the radio call for assistance to her parents' address for two possible 1089s. Michelle knew this was their area's code for a dead body. She immediately called Michael, who from the way she describes it, he just picked up the phone and said, they're gone, sister. They're gone. Like, repeatedly. Stop, I'm going to cry. Yeah, I know. I- mm. Mm. Michelle and her husband arrived to the scene as soon as they could.
0: Of course they did.
1: Her and Michael clung to each other at the edge of the property as investigators were in and out of the house searching for evidence.
0: Stop! I'm going to text my brother right now. He's never allowed to find my parents dead.
1: He's never allowed. <laughs> You're not allowed. Don't you do that? Not allowed to. Don't don't you find them?
0: Well, my parents aren't allowed to die either. So yeah. Oh.
1: Well, <laughs> I won't be the one to break the news to you. <laughs> no, they're alive. <laughs>
0: that's not what I was saying I know
1: oh that would that would have been horrific though (laughs) if
0: you were just like
1: I hate to break it to you but they're dead I got the news this
0: morning I'm sorry (laughs) that who's been texting me the whole time (laughs) no I but like on a real note I I can put myself in that position because me and my brother are so close with our parents like that and yeah
1: that would be so hard oh it'd be awful I had a friend in high school who found her brother. Oh. He wasn't murdered, but she found her brother and that was just oh my god.
0: That's that was horrible.
1: awful. So, the investigation was too much for the local sheriff's department. Yeah, not shocking. So they called in ABI, which is the Alabama Bureau of Investigation. The first thing crime scene investigators noticed is that the strap of Debbie's purse had been cut and practically the entire thing was covered in blood hmm. even inside they believe that she was wearing it across like yeah, across, across her body, body when attacked and then then when she fell she landed on top of it causing much of the blood to pool around the purse and then the perpetrator cut the strap to pull it out from under her and rifled through it causing the blood to go inside as well
0: Okay, that seems to me like good forensic work.
1: Yes. It makes sense. Yes. In the living room, they found the word NARC, N-A-R-C, written on the wall in lipstick. This is so dramatic for what? Yes. Oh, we'll get there. He's so moody. (laughs) The murder weapons were not found in or around the property of the house, And according to one of the investigators, searching for the weapons in a place like Clay County would be more challenging than finding a needle in a haystack due to the terrain and number of waterways in the area. Like, basically, if they had an idea of where to look, it would have been possible. But, like, I don't know how much manpower they really even tried because they knew it could be anywhere. And there's so much nature in so many places Mm -hmm. that... So well and it's
0: hard when you have such a small community. So technically you only need so many fire or you know, so many mm -hmm. rescue or so many police officers, but then the area that you've got is way more than what you can handle. So
1: absolutely definitely
0: definitely interesting.
1: So that was not, you know, normally that's like one of their first tasks is to find the murder weapon. Yeah. Search. We all played clue. Yeah. There you go. But they decided to try and find other routes hoping to find some sort of evidence or tip that could narrow down where they sh- should search for the weapons of course they searched for fingerprints and shoe prints in the house that's a given yeah as they searched the triplets vehicles they found an empty cash box on the front passenger side floor of Debbie's van the keys to the lockbox were left on the passenger seat and the door had evidently been wiped down. Oh, I just realized this in the video, so you can't
0: see my face. <laughs> I was making a face in response, but you can't see it. <laughs> we're not doing video
1: yet. Investigators found an unusual fiber caught in the edge of the door frame, and there were absolutely no fingerprints on the door. So, An unusual fiber. Yes. Just uh, where it was wasn't a place that like even if you brushed a sleeve or something up against the door it's not gonna stick where it was it was like in that little yeah uh the little grippy part that runs along the window late in the afternoon randy finally appeared at the crime scene but unlike michael and michelle he tried to force his way into the crime scene One of the local investigators who knew the family and specifically knew Randy from their high school days managed to calm him down and get him to wait with his stepbrother and sister. Investigators were able to ask them some questions about some things they'd found, including the cash box in Debbie's van. And Michelle explained to them that Debbie would always use it to transport the cash register drawer from the country store. As she found it easier just to pull the register drawer out each night, lock it in that cash box, Mm -hmm. and then take it back with her each morning.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, yeah, okay.
1: So. They also established that Debbie did close the store that night, well, that night before, and probably arrived home around 10 p.m., While they didn't have clear-cut evidence as to the motive, they did have some theories to work with. Their first thought was to question if the triplets had somehow been connected to a narcotics investigation because of the narc written in lipstick, coupled with what appeared to be possible theft.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Yeah.
1: The second was the theory that it was a robbery by someone who knew they would have a lot of cash on hand because of their business. Okay. Well, they quickly ruled out the narcotics possibility I after mean, a phone call to local or state narcotics detectives.
0: Yeah. I mean, my only thing is that as we've discussed before, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it or maybe I've talked about it to somebody else, but burglaries don't usually go this
1: wrong Go wrong yeah like
0: they don't normally it's just not how it goes and this is particularly violent but I don't think that this area has the ability to really know that
1: yeah but they remember they did have ABI working with them yeah which are state a statewide investigation unit that True. has more experience True. so they definitely did take note that this is particularly violent and the way that their throats were cut and stuff is it's tense. Really, really that tends really- to lean more towards personal motive they not definitely just knew a robbery it. yeah but they wanted to make sure that's why they kind of followed the narc thing first yeah. the narcotics rule it out because that could be somebody that knew them if they were part of some sort of drug related things going on okay So once they rule that out, they take to the streets of the small community because everyone knows something in a place like this. Yep. They fairly quickly learned that Billy and Debbie were making ends meet by other means beside their country store. (gasps) Prostitution? No. Oh. Nothing that (laughs) crazy. (laughs) Basically, Billy had a toe in multiple money-making endeavors all of which were illegal in Clay County.
0: Oh, my gosh. Was he selling unpasteurized milk?
1: No. <laughs> no remember, they're dry county. <laughs> why would, why would, this isn't Schitt's Creek.
0: <laughs> I did just watch that episode of Schitt's Creek like three weeks ago.
1: <laughs> that is a fantastic it's episode. It's a great
0: episode. Alexis, what is all this milk? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I don't know how you mean <laughs> Sorry.
1: Sorry. Uh, so... Not only were the triplets bootlegging alcohol out of the store, but they were uh, very much in the gambling business as well. It turned out that they had poker machines in the back room of their store, and Billy would take wagers on SEC football on the side. Get it, bud? Once this information came to light, the family informed detectives that It was Debbie's habit to clean out the cash from the poker machines at the end of the night and put it in her purse. Hmm. The
0: same purse that got rifled through. Yes.
1: Interesting. Of course, when they realized that the reason for the perpetrator to cut the purse strap the way they did and rummage through the purse was very likely to take that cash the family also informed detectives that just a few months prior to the murders, the country store had been robbed by three men who bound Billy with duct tape at gunpoint and put him in the walk-in cooler.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, that's traumatizing.
1: Yes. So, luckily, Billy was able to get free, but he and Debbie never reported it. Well, yeah, because they don't want... Because they're practicing illegal activity and... They didn't want to get busted for that. Detectives, of course, wondered if those same men came back for more and up the ante, but they had absolutely no way of tracking the men since it was never yeah. reported. So they got no description. They, they had nothing to go on. And while the, the kids, you know, Michelle and Michael knew about the robbery, they didn't have all the details. They weren't there. Yeah, they there. weren't there. So that kind of left investigators back to square one. They went back over all the evidence and possibilities and determined that it was more than likely someone local because of the location of the triplets' store and home. Like I said, the county itself is about 30 miles from the interstate. It's far. So it's not likely that somebody was just passing through. And even if they were, They're not likely to know about the triplets' business and side hustles and the fact that they would have cash, but the locals knew.
0: Yeah, so it had to be somebody within.
1: Yep. So once again, detectives hit the neighborhood and talked to people in the community looking for leads. And everyone was very cooperative and seemed to have no problem answering detectives, except one man, Leonard Southers living in proximity to the crime scene and acting fairly jumpy when questioned wasn't a good look for him. The detective pressed Leonard a bit, stating it was very important that he tell him if he had any information. Leonard got even more nervous, but once again said he had no information. And the detective being interviewed said, I'm a nice guy, but like I'm going to do what I have to do. And he could tell that Leonard was an addict because he could see the track marks on Mm -hmm. his arms. And he even believed, based on his behavior and that interaction, that Leonard was probably on methamphetamines. So as Leonard grew paranoid, he started sharing that he believed that the police had men in the trees around his trailer park, watching and listening to him. And so, like I said, that detective's like, I'm a nice guy, but like, I'm going to use stuff to my advantage when questioned. Yeah, I mean, that's your job. So he used that paranoia as an opportunity to get more information. And he went along with it. He said, Yes, we we do. We are listening. (laughs) And Leonard apparently had kids. Mm. And so he threatened that the kids are going to get taken away when he goes to prison if he's obstructing justice. In that moment, Leonard still refused to admit that he knew anything, so they carry on. They continued digging, not just for more leads or tips. They dug into Leonard's background at the same time. They did get some tips in the community, but like most investigations, like some of them, they followed up on all of them, but a lot of them were just gossip. Yeah. Can't really go on much. That would be me. (laughs) There was something about the information coming in about Randy Triplet, though, that gave detectives pause. First, they had heard from several people that Randy and his stepmom, Debbie, didn't actually get along because she wanted Billy to stop enabling Randy and his drug habits. Several witnesses claimed to have encountered Randy when he was mad after hearing that Debbie was encouraging Billy to stop bailing him out of trouble. And some of those witnesses even told them that they heard Randy tell Billy, you have to choose either me or Debbie. Oh, that's not going to go over well. The second major report detectives received about Randy was that he was seen in Walmart purchasing items with a large amount of cash in hand. I wonder where he got the cash. From everything they knew about Randy, he was broke. Yeah. So they decided to look into where did he suddenly get all this cash from. Follow the money. When the detective who knows Randy questioned him about it, Randy said that some classmates from high school pulled together to give him a sympathy card along with $600. It was very nice of them.
0: That's a lot of, a lot of sympathy.
1: But what Randy apparently forgot was that this detective who knew him in high school <laughs> also knows those classmates. In fact, the detective was in the wedding Of one of the guys that Randy named.
0: What a goober.
1: So that detective called up his friend and asked, did you guys take up a collection for Randy Triplett? The friend said, not that I know of. So he told the guy, hey, check around. Ask, you know, ask your group of friends from high school and, and let me know. And sure enough, none of Randy's former high school friends or classmates had given him that money. When the detectives obtained the security footage and information from Walmart, they found that he is the one who purchased the sympathy card. And the footage also showed that he asked someone at Walmart to fill out the card. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So they questioned Randy again, and his story went like this. The night of the murders, Randy and his father, Billy, were together at Billy's house watching the Braves game. He claimed that they had a great talk and then he left, but that when he got about a mile from their house, his car got a flat tire. So he went to a nearby neighbor, David Porter, who helped him get a tire and change it. Randy claimed he was there dealing with that until about midnight. Both David Porter and his wife confirmed that Randy did, in fact, arrive to their house sometime between 10 and 1030, and they did, in fact, help him with the tire. After clearing Randy's alibi, the detectives received a call from Leonard Suthers, You know, paranoid tree man. They're in the trees. Leonard told detectives that he had some cash in his possession that he believed had blood on it. He did in fact have 58 separate bills that had obviously been washed, but still held the blood stain. Yeah. Of course, they believed this may be some of the cash from Debbie's purse, and while they sent it to be tested for DNA, Leonard Suthers once again took the lead as the number one suspect. There was just one complication. When they asked Leonard where he got the money, he said. Randy Triplett gave it to me and asked me to keep it safe. And there it is. So they bring Randy back in for questioning. And he said, sorry, I can't even say this seriously. Stop it. His response. I'm not looking at you. (laughs) Randy's response to the police when they say, we have the cash, Leonard Souther's. (laughs) Gave to us. He asked, that money you got from Souther's? And the detective said, yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) And Randy says, quote, well, that's my goddamn money. I want my money back.
0: Oh, Randy. (laughs) Randy, baby, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) Yeah. He claimed he found the money in his dad's bedroom closet after the murders. When the detective told him,
0: when did he go into the,
1: well, I'm sure, I'm sure like once everything was done. Yeah. But still they searched the house and the detective told him, they searched every, we were looking for murder weapons. We searched every square inch of that house during the crime scene investigation and never found any cash. So hit, this is his response. Okay. Quote, man, you know I didn't do it. If I'd have done it, I would have burned the house down. You know, that way there wouldn't have been any evidence. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) As ridiculously incriminating as Randy's statements were, it still wasn't enough to indict him. But it was enough to have cause for a search. Yeah. He continued his genius moves. He's so smart. And he did not require them to get a warrant for a search. He was so kind that he just gave them permission to impound his car. He just let them do it. Fortunately, Randy never cleaned his car. So after removing all the trash and performing a thorough forensic search, they found one bloody fingerprint on the backside of the driver door handle. Once again, Randy had an explanation for it everything. Of course he does. He claimed that it was from scratching himself. Unfortunately, they had to let Randy go while they waited on the DNA results. Yeah. Now, mind you, this was back in 2001. So, DNA results were, or DNA testing Mm -hmm. was a still relatively new process in general. And we're talking about Backwoods, Alabama so so at the time it took an upwards of six to eight weeks to get the results back he's just chilling he's free to go but detectives weren't slacking they were still keeping an eye on the triplet house while waiting
0: no they've done a pretty good job so far
1: yeah and one day they noticed that billy's car was missing from the driveway Um,
0: Billy's dead? For anyone who's- His ghost is driving the
1: car? (laughs) (laughs) For anyone who might be wondering, okay, well, why is that a problem?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had that thought too. It's like, it's, he just moved it.
1: It wasn't only because they had an active investigation. That's the number one reason it was a problem was like, you're not, you're still not, like, they probably let the family go- have access to the house once they cleared it as far as like there's no more evidence needed but I'm sure they said it's an act of investigation like still don't move anything don't do anything with anything yet but the other reason was because the triplets assets were still part of their estate so you know what that means I do no one yet had the legal rights to take anything and around the same time that the police noticed the car missing. Michelle found out that Randy had taken the car and sold it. Okay, so
0: let's pause really quick. Again, let's clarify now before I start talking. I am not an attorney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a paralegal. So don't take anything I say as legal advice, please, for the love of God. <laughs> but as somebody who works in probate and deals with the states every single day, mm-hmm. um... Basically, what happens when somebody dies and you have to go through the probate process, you create an estate, the estate of the person who has passed away.
1: An estate is not just for wealthy people. it is
0: not. <laughs>
1: it just <laughs> literally means all of the person's assets. yes.
0: and the estate acts as an individual. So basically, like it it's like a fake person that then owns all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So until the judge says or the court says, okay, this fake person is now giving all of their stuff to you, the beneficiary. Mm -hmm. It's not your stuff. It belongs to that created entity. So that is why they didn't have the right to sell it, even though they were dead. It's because it was still owned by the estate. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk.
1: (laughs) Thank you for speaking. You're welcome. When detectives looked into it, they found that Randy... Had not just sold the car somehow,
0: which I was gonna say I don't know how he did that because you do know, yeah, (laughs) because he
1: forged his father's signature. he,
0: He just somebody didn't know that his dad was dead, yeah, and sold it anyway. Yep,
1: he forged his father's signature to sell it. So here's the good part of that: this gave police the opportunity to take him into custody and charge him with two felonies, one for stealing the car. And one for the forgery. Yep. While he's in jail for that, the DNA results were finally back and showed that Randy was 100% that bitch. (laughs) Okay. You can't say that because that bitch is like a good thing. I know. (laughs) Well, in this case, it's a bad thing. I don't know. That's just as I started to write (laughs) that that sentence, that's what came to (laughs) mind. So funny. So I just went with it. It's so funny. But it. Yeah. Both the blood on the money and the door handle belong to Debbie Triplett. Randy was indicted for capital murder of both Billy and Debbie.
0: I cannot wait to hear what he says and why he did this horrific crime because in case you forgot, he tried to decapitate his father.
1: Oh, you know what he's going to say.
0: No, I don't. (laughs) Okay. I have ideas.
1: Okay, so according to fine law... Capital murder, because it's one of those state-to-state things, but capital murder is that which is committed under a number of different aggravating circumstances, and in this case, it would be because the murders coincided with robbery. Yes. Of course, the defendant found guilty of capital murder may receive the death penalty. This is Alabama, after all. Alabama. Yes. So, they usually have two trials. One to determine guilt and one to determine sentencing. And I say all of this in a brief legal lesson because I unfortunately was not able to get a hold of the court documents. So all I'm really able to share about the trial is what little my other sources said about it. Yeah. But the prosecution's theory was that Billy finally told Randy when they were together that night that he needed to get his act together and take responsibility for himself And his kids. I believe Randy had kids that he was supposed to be paying child support on or something. Who was
0: fornicating with this man?
1: Well, he's not an unattractive guy. He's just not very smart. Okay. Well. So there's that. Detectives and prosecution believed that he bludgeoned Billy and then waited for Debbie to arrive and attacked her as she entered the home. Randy's defense, of course, leaned on his alibi, which the prosecution could easily poke holes in, given the proximity of the Porter's residence to the triplets. Yeah. And the time frames of each event potentially not overlapping. Because, I mean, Debbie's children told them, we know she closed the store. We know she would have gotten home close to or around 10 p.m. Yeah. Give or take Five, 10 minutes. He arrived at the porters, which is only a mile down the road. They just remembered it being sometime between 10 and 1030. So given that he didn't really need to worry about cleaning up a lot of evidence, because after all, his fingerprints and DNA would naturally be in their house. Yeah detectives and the prosecution believed he could have easily killed debbie within minutes of her arriving at 10 p.m
0: mm-hmm.
1: billy's already dead you know he bludgeons her because basically he hit her over the head a couple times yeah and then it was just her throat slit that's only going to take like literally seconds you could do that in less than a minute if you were strong yeah. enough and whatever And then it would take him another couple minutes to rifle through her purse, steal the money, and go out to the van. And he knew right where everything was because he knew what their routines were.
0: Yeah. But he didn't show up to their house with, like, bloody clothes. He had to have changed
1: clothes and... Possibly. But even still, they said between 10 and 10.30. So if Debbie got home just a few minutes before 10, that still gives him a half an hour up to a half an hour to do all of that and get just a mile down the road.
0: I mean, you know, I'm saying it totally could have been done. I mean, yeah. I can get ready for work in 15 minutes, like, you, you know.
1: If you have to, yeah. 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 When you're rushed, and obviously. He's going could be like, la di da la di da di <laughs> da The rest of Randy's defense, besides the alibi, was basically, I didn't do it.
0: I loved them. It couldn't have been me.
1: It wasn't me because I would have burned the house down so that there would be no evidence. Yeah,
0: and we all know that that's like a a killer argument is telling them what you would have done and then they're saying, well, if you're saying you would have done that but that's not what happened, then it wasn't you.
1: Clearly. Because
0: you obviously would not lie.
1: Obviously.
0: (laughs) About, you know.
1: Obviously. But say it with us. Say it with me. You can't cast light science. (laughs) Yeah. That's our favorite. And the bloody fingerprint... Is science, friend. Is science, though. What you gonna do? Sorry. You did it. Yeah. Here's the interesting part. And I wish that... I really wish that I had more details on this, but I don't. One of my sources say that the jury found him guilty for the capital murder of his father, but... It was a hung jury on the capital murder of his stepmother, which this was a newspaper article, and it will be in the show notes. There's not much to the article. I couldn't find anything else about it. So I'm wondering if they flip-flopped him. Yes. Because how would they... How would they have said, "Oh yeah, you did you killed your father when it was her blood on the cash and her blood on well, his and, door his car door handle."
0: And it would have been her murder that was aggravated by the robbery because he took the cash. from Yeah, because she had the cash. It would, you know what I'm saying, cuz even if they got hung up on the capital part of the charge and they got yeah. you know stuck on, well it wasn't capital and then somebody says it was capital, but it still be on the on the stepmom, it wouldn't be on yeah. his dad. So I bet that they just got it flip-flopped.
1: Possible, which that's what by the way,
0: happens all the time in crap like this. Like, it's hard. You'll see stuff, and in three different places, it's said three different ways. And
1: that's why I like having the court records because I go based on the court records whenever possible. But I did not have them. Alas,
0: we'll forgive you
1: this time. (laughs) (laughs) This time. (laughs) Supposedly, then they, they must have retried him on whichever one. That, he, that was the hung jury. It
0: was probably Billy. And he
1: eventually was found guilty of that cap- of both capital yeah. murders. Now, he did manage to evade the death penalty and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Okay. And our story concludes then, because I could find nothing saying that he ever appealed. But I don't know what he would appeal on. But a lot of people appeal stuff even when you feel like, yeah. how? How do you do that? So, but I could not find anything, but that doesn't mean it's not out there. It just means I could not access it yeah. online. We're growing this podcast. We are not yet to a point where we can invest a lot of money into <laughs> <laughs> tracking down records.
0: Yeah. Because that is, it's A, it's expensive to do sometimes depending on the county and the state. And yes. B, very time consuming.
1: Yes. there will be a lot more work (laughs) yeah there will be i mean which pardon me can't i can't wait till we get to that point and we can plan cases ahead and spend more time on it yeah i can't wait but right now we don't have that kind of funding so the last thing where our story ends it's unfortunate or fortunate depending on how you look at it Randy's sentence came to an end when he took his own life Hmm. by hanging himself in prison nearly 15 years after the murders on April 7th, 2016.
0: That's a long time after. I don't feel like that's normal. I mean, a lot of people attempt to kill themselves in prison in true crime cases, but it's normally pretty soon after.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I don't have any record. He may have made attempts prior to that. True. And had always gotten caught or mm-hmm. been found soon enough. But he was finally successful.
0: Yeah, I don't know if successful is quite the <laughs> word I would use, but.
1: <laughs> well, I wouldn't if it was. Well, yeah. Not somebody who tried to decapitate his father.
0: But like, do we ever get any answers as to why he actually did it? Other than just for money? Other than
1: hatred and And like money. his dad cutting him off? No, that's that's all we know. Is that That's just such an overreaction. He, he grew to hate well, his drugs, I guess. Is really yeah, and drugs for sure. And yes, drugs will make decent yeah. people do bad things, but
0: I don't know the effects of methamphetamines as much as I do other versions of that. Like
1: It's not good.
0: Well, I mean (laughs) Yeah. I just mean like, you know how some drugs will make people like people like much more temperamental. And I mean all drugs do it, but like, you know, some are worse. And so I mean, I guess that's the reason. We guess we know it. He just didn't say it.
1: Yeah. I mean, but even early on in his drug use, or they didn't yet know he was on drugs, like he had already based on what I read and saw. He had already started to develop, like, a disdain for his stepmom and stepfamily um, because he distanced himself, like, and he started to become real problematic. It's just... Well, it's um,
0: because he's different and they didn't understand him, Alicia.
1: Probably. And, I mean, to some degree, that's true. Yeah, it is. Because he needed a lot of serious help. But you can't help... I feel like I'm always giving PSAs in this <laughs> podcast, but like that's the problem. I've known a lot of addicts in my life, and you're not helping them by enabling them. And if they are this kind of person, yeah. if they're the kind of addict that's going to get this crazy, like it's you're creating a danger for yourself. Yeah. So it's sad, but wild. In a small town. Yeah. It really turned the town upside down and but it oh, still took know. them another fifteen years before they would legalize drinking.
0: <laughs> wow. Fascinating.
1: I thought that was pretty funny.
0: It is to me. No I mean, listen, it's just the it's just that they you couldn't even you
1: couldn't like you couldn't buy it. No. You'd have to drive to another <laughs> county. Yeah,
0: that's crazy.
1: To Get your alcohol. Just Although like you could the go
0: timeline to- of it, you know? yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. I was shocked. I mean, and I'm. I remember the time when that was more common, like when I was young and watched Footloose, and yeah, it was a dry place. Spickazes. So the kids had to go to the next county over, yeah, to go to the country bar.
0: And dance the little dances. <laughs>
1: da- and dance, because there was no drinking and there was no dancing.
0: No dancing. No joy of any kind. No joy. Alright. she gotta cut loose.
1: Put loose. <laughs> <Get off your> <laughs> <side>. <laughs> okay. We've got all the lame things yeah. today. <laughs> We're full of lame jokes
0: today. Okay, so You're welcome, folks. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you so much. Leave us a little cowboy. Is there a cowboy hat emoji? I dropped my phone earlier. I think home. there's something like that. Leave us some sort of cowboy country emoji. I'd prefer it to be a cowboy hat, but I don't know if that's a thing. We're checking. One second.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a smiling emoji with a cowboy hat on. Yeah.
0: I'll take that. Or a cow. <laughs> or a
1: cow. <laughs> something <laughs> to do with cows or cowboys.
0: Yeah. And if you do that, you'll get a
1: shout out. All right. Thanks for listening. Um. Yeah. Well, this is going to end fairly abruptly my apologies we never know how to do the endings um, you guys yeah so that's all i got it's lunchtime it is lunchtime we will we will see us. you guys
0: next week i hope it's lunchtime for you too
1: yeah that'd be nice yeah all right thanks for listening thank you bye bye thanks for listening guys
0: find us on instagram and tiktok at burden of proof pod and email us at burden of dot at com.